with us this morning. We're in this, uh, the, the sermon series disrupted, and how many of those lives have been disrupted during this, uh, this hurricane, right? And so we, we did not know that when we planned this sermon series, and so, but God's timing is perfect. And I, today I want to talk to you about turning your disruption into an anointing, okay? Uh, that's big. Because uh, if you fall into the anointing of God, you can do some great and marvelous things. And so how to, do, how to turn that disruption into an anointing. If you take notes, this would be a good uh, note-taking message. Use your mobile device, the worship guide, uh, the inside of your Bible. I want you to learn how to, how to turn your uh, disruption into anointing. Stand with me, if you will. We'd like to stand for the reading of the Word of God. We're going to come out of just three verses. First Samuel, the 22nd chapter. Verse 1 says, so David left Gath. And took uh, refuge in the cave Adullam. When David's brothers and his father's whole family heard, uh, they went down and joined him there. In addition, every man who was desperate, in debt, or discontented rallied around him. Stop for a second. We're only six chapters away from David being called and anointed, being left in the field. God can turn things around that quickly for you. Where your family, your friends, other people may be against you like they were uh, David in the 16th chapter of 1 Samuel, now they're rallying around him. You might want to write this down when you sit down. If you need people to rally around you, you just do what God says, and people will start to rally around you. It's an amazing turnaround. We, don't, we, we discount it because it's six chapters later and we think we know the story of David but David goes through a bunch of junk and all of a sudden now people are rallying around him that's a huge thing uh, that's a really great phrase right there write that down he and uh, and he became their leader about 400 men were with him and by the way try to hang around with somebody who's in debt discontented and all those things they're not a happy sort these guys rallied around David David was a great leader from there David went to Mizpah of Moab where he was where he said to to the king of Moab, please let my father and my mother stay with you until I know what God will do for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Your word's anointed. It's blessed. You're in charge. Once it's spoken, it doesn't return void. And Lord, we speak this word over our body today that, Lord, they will not be broken. They're, Lord, they're made whole. They're, they persevere. We thank you, Lord, for the life of David and what we're going to learn from him today. We pray, Lord, today that those who might be walking through disruption, Lord, you'll turn it into an anointing, Lord for them, God, Lord, that they will come. Uh, you'll make beauty out of ashes, Father, Lord. You'll make them the head and not the uh, tail, Lord, the lender, not the bower, the first and not the last. We pray, Lord, today that you would liven us up, Father, Lord, with your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody in agreement said amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of God. You can be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, being disrupted uh, 30 years ago this summer, Janie and I, along with her mother and father, took our oldest three children, Andrew wasn't born yet, uh, to Yellowstone National Park. Beautiful place. Anybody been to Yellowstone? Absolutely beautiful place, okay? So it was a, it was a long, lengthy trip, and when you travel with her parents, we followed behind in a little Toyota Corolla wagon. They had a camper. Uh, and when you travel with her parents, if her parents have been somewhere before, it's kind of a drive-by, like there's Mount Rushmore. There's Yellowstone. So in eight days, we saw the Rockies, Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, we stopped in Jackson Hole. We saw Yellowstone, stopped in Cody for a rodeo, uh, saw Mount Rushmore, came back, and I missed like five days of work. That was it total, right? And so, uh, but Yellowstone was under fire. It was the worst 
forest fire in their history. And all of the animals came down. So it was really cool on how we got to see all the bison and moose and buffalo and elk, just hundreds and hundreds of elk. And they were all on the lower level because the park was on fire. And uh, they were all wondering why the park officials weren't putting the fire out. And they said, well, it's a natural burn. And when a natural burn hits a, a forest or a wildfire in that particular case, then when things come back, they're, they're more beautiful than ever. Once one thing gets disrupted, if it's allowed to be handled in the proper way, then things come back beautiful. And I saw a documentary on Yellowstone National Park this past summer because it was a 30-year anniversary and how beautiful things were and how the wildlife were more abundant. See, sometimes when disruption happens in our life, it's for a good thing. It's not necessarily for a bad thing. We wonder, well, why, God, are you doing this thing to me? Or why is this happening? It's so that you can be stronger or, in God's eyes, more beautiful in what he has called you to do. The missionary, David uh, Livingstone, was asked by a church, hey, uh, is there, uh, have you found a good road yet? We have some men. We would love to see you, uh, Mr. Livingstone. He said, if you have men who will only come if there's a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there is no road at all. I think sometimes that's what God says. Hey, if everything's right, if the conditions are right, God, I want to serve you. But if the conditions aren't right, if they're not to my liking, if the carpet's not the right color of the air, not working properly, if the pastor only preaches for 18 minutes, I'm not going to that church. It's true, isn't it? We want, we want, especially as Americans, we want things the way we want them. And I would say and challenge you for just a moment, Lord, let's have it your way, not our way. Lord, would you just do it your way? Would you just rush in? Would you just rush in and have it your way? If you'll do it your way. And so I want to give you three things today on how David turned disruption into a, a, an anointing. And God showed him how. It was an amazing turn of events where David is just this young boy out in a field. And all of a sudden he's leading 400 disgruntled, discontented, uh, in-debt men to rally around that became his mighty warriors that allowed uh, Israel to capture Jerusalem and David to become anointed king. What a fantastic story. The first one that I want to give you today is you need to work your field. You have to work your field, church. So many times people want what somebody else has. Well, if I just had their job, if I just had their schooling, if I just had their education, if I just had their family, if I just had their church, if I just had their location, I, I've had pastors tell me, well, if I was just in that location, things would be easier. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. You have to grow where you are planted. You have to do the things that you are called to do. David's in a field. And I think God is protecting him. He's being disrupted. He's writing psalms. He's killing bears and lions. He's taking care of business. And yet his family is being paraded by the, through the prophet on who's going to be the, the next anointed. Who's going to carry this anointing? And David's not aware of that. Or maybe he would have gotten offended. Maybe he would have got mad or angry, and sometimes we get mad or angry at different things or different people because it's not working out good for us. And I would say you need to take whatever field God has you in, and you need to work that field. 
We learn later on in this same, or in the next chapter, chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, I think it's around verse 47, that David doesn't even have a lot of sheep that he's tending to. In fact, his brother kind of slaps him across the face and says, Where are, why aren't you tending to those few sheep that you have? And so sometimes people in our lives will play down things, but if you will do the thing that God has given you to do, if it's a mom, be a mom. If it's a dad, be a dad. If it's an employee, be an employee. If it's an employer, be an employer. If it's a child, be a child. If it's being in school, be in school. Whatever God has been given you to do, if you'll do it to the best of your ability, there will be a transfer of anointing that takes place. And that's the first anointing that David had. David had a transfer of anointing. The Bible says that when Samuel saw David, and he prayed for him. The anointing left Saul, and it came over onto David. There's a transfer anointing. Now, because of the New Testament, we understand that sometimes the anointing transfers, but the person that is transferred from, it does, that person doesn't even lose it. And so it could be where God is just transferring anointing to where he wants to sweep through a congregation if all of us just do our part. If all of us just do the things that we're supposed to do. When our daughter Jessica was in uh, second grade, she had a um, surgery on her ears, and a mastoid surgery, where they take the back of the ear, they cut the back of the ear, and they lay it over, and then they go in and clean out the eardrum and do some different things. It's a very serious surgery. She had about 30% hearing, 20% hearing, and, and uh, she is by far our best uh, hearer in our family. She, you can't, like, you could just whisper, and she says, Papa, I can hear you whispering. She, it's just amazing the miracle that God did, okay? Well, when she was having a surgery, Janie's mother, the same exact day, was going through breast cancer surgery, okay? And so uh, Janie's caught between the two. Our, our daughter, second grade, is having this serious operation. Her mother is having serious operation. And so her mother cleaned uh, their church, and she got a check each week. For cleaning the church. And so Janie said, I think I want to clean the church for mom. I said, well, I think that's good. And she said, but I want my mom to, to take the check. I said, well, I, th I think that's honorable, honey. That's really, that's really cool. I want to teach you something here, okay? Because sometimes we, we love what's taking place uh, in the eyes of people, but we don't see the work that it took to get there. And so uh, Janie uh, cleans the church, and every now and then uh, she would be like to the kids, you want to go help me clean the church? And then later on, I forget, one, one Saturday night, I remember uh, we were watching uh, college football. It was 9 o'clock at night, and uh, Janie said, oh, I forgot to clean the church. Oh, no. And she was like, like it was a real job to her, even though she wasn't getting paid. The, the job paid, but her mom was getting the check. Now hear me, hear me, this is really important. Because so all of us, and Andrew was born then, by this time Andrew's born, all of us get into the minivan, we drive to church, nine o'clock at night, and all of us are cleaning the church so that it would be spotless and clean the next morning. Janie cleaned that church for eight years. Well, her mother got the check every week. Now hear me, what, is that why she's anointed? No, she was anointed before that. But I entered sales at the same time. That's why I became anointed. Now hear me. That anointing transferred. 
She was, doing, she was giving up a wage that she could have had to help our family. And at the same time, while she was giving up, the Lord started to bless me in sales, and he blessed my socks off in sales. The whole time that I was selling, she was cleaning. She was cleaning for free. She was offered a worship position at a large church, and she said, no, just give it to missions. Well, why don't you want this salary? Because my, my husband does a good enough job. And, my, and then I, that year, I got the biggest bonus I'd ever gotten. You, you... Listen, write this down. I wrote it down. The mystery of the menial. The mystery of the menial. I thought I knew what the word menial meant, so I looked it up. It was completely different. I thought menial meant small or maybe not. not. The menial, according to Webster's, is this, a humble servant. The mystery of the humble servant. Somebody who does something not to be seen. God looks upon them and he transfers an anointing on their life. So somebody calls you out and says, hey, can you do this for me? The boss man says, hey, I really need you to do this. And all of a sudden there's this mumbling and there's this grumbling or this rebellion. I'm not going to do that. I know better. There's that the menial servant will say this. They'll come in and just say, yeah, whatever you need, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Not for brownie points, but God sees it. And all of a sudden an anointing transfers to you. Oh, it's amazing. I wish you could just grab it. I really do. Because so many people in America want position and power. Well, you know, they, pay, they don't pay me to do that. I'm not, I'm not too good for that. I, this, this, ain't, this, ain't what, this ain't what I need to do. I, I didn't go to school for that. That's not what they told me. That's not why I learned this degree. That's not why I went through this training. That's not what I'm paid to do. It's quiet in here, so maybe some people have that thought. Can I say this in the kingdom? Our rewards are in heaven and on earth. God requires us to do anything and everything. He requires us to do anything and everything. Jenny cleaned that church for eight years. All the way through our kids' as Jessica was in high school when she stopped cleaning that church. So from second grade until sophomore, junior year in high school, that Janie cleaned that church and gave the money. She, she didn't see the check. The, the money went right to her, to her mother. She wanted to be a blessing. But our family, in part, became more anointed because of her diligence in doing something that she treated like a job. That's a good lesson, church. You need to work your field. And we have people in this church that do that. We have people in this church that'll, that'll help out at Second Harvest. We have people in this church that'll help out downtown with the, the distribution center. We have people in this church that'll go get collections and they'll do things. We have people in this church. Janie cleaned the, the, the basement two weeks ago and spent 10 hours on, on just the bathrooms down there. Now, I don't say that too loud over her. I say that as an example on things that what if, what if in your life you just took the little things Despise not the day of small beginnings. You took that little thing that nobody else wanted to do, and you said, hey, I'll do that. We were in a church serving as assistant pastors, and um, it was, I think it was Jessica's graduation party, and it was a, down, it was a downpour, absolutely a downpour. And uh, one of our lead board members was there, and he was taking an umbrella, and he was walking down, I mean, city blocks to get people to, to walk back up. And, and Marcus was in, uh, I don't know, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, something like that. He grabbed an umbrella, and he started doing the same thing. And it, was, it just becomes contagious when people try to outserve each other. David was out serving his brothers in the field 
and he became the anointed one. I know there's a connection there somewhere, but his first anointing was the transfer of anointing. That anointing can transfer to you if you allow God to work through you. The mystery of the menial, turning disruption into the anointing. Number two, you need to face your giants. You have to face the giants that are in your life. So we, we get these disruptions, and sometimes they're a disruption that lasts for a lifetime. I, I can't make it to church, or I can't, I can't overcome this, or I can't do this, or you don't know my past, and I say this all the time. Everybody, church, everybody has a past. Everybody has a past. And I don't mean to downplay your past. Some pasts are far more horrible than other people's past. But can I say this? Would you allow God to help you just face your giants and deal with your giants? I, the way I see it, there's three giants here that, that uh, David had to deal with. The first one is Goliath. That, that was a, a giant of society. Goliath of Gath in the Valley of Elah. That's where David went down to take cheese and bread to his uh, family members that were fighting for, for his father's sake. And they were fighting this Goliath named uh, Goliath from Gath. And he was a, a problem with society. He was disrupting all of Israel. In fact, the Philistines were going to own Israel if he continued to win. And you have a, a society problem. Maybe it's a, a something in the political nature. Maybe it's something in the physical nature. Maybe it's something in the, in the Hollywood nature. It doesn't matter what nature it is, but we have problems in society, the church hasn't stood up and owned themselves. We've allowed other people to fight our battles for us. Well, the politics will take care of it. The president will take care of that. The mayor will take care of that. The Congress will take care of that. Boy, if we get this person in, that'll take care of that. Church, can I say this? It ain't working when you put your faith in man. It only works when you put your faith in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That's how it works. So he had this problem with, with Goliath. The second giant he had was Eliab. That was his oldest brother who continued to pick on him. And coming from a large family, I understand what it means to get picked on, even if it's not intended. But this guy was in his head. Why aren't you feed, back there feeding and tending to those few sheep? In other words, your life doesn't mean anything. And the enemy will get in your head every chance he gets. Stop letting them. Just, just understand that in order to turn the dis, uh, uh, disruption into an anointing, you have to know someone above the disruptor, and that's the, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the King of all kings, the Lord of all glory, the bright morning star, and the lily of the valley. And then his third one was age. His third giant was age. David's too young. The armor doesn't fit. Someone would say, well, maybe you're too old. Well, Caleb and Joshua were in their 80s when they took the land. Abraham was over 100. Things, it doesn't matter about age when, when we talk about God. When, talk, when we talk about God, it matters about heart. In fact, he says that in 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter. You look upon the eyes and what a man looks like. I look upon the heart and what a man is about. These giants that people face. It could be something that's hard really hard to deal with in life. It could be something that you just won't allow yourself to get over. It could be something that the enemy puts in front of you just to keep reminding you. In our home uh, back when the kids were growing up, um, they would play all different kinds of sports, um, you know, volleyball, soccer, football, 
baseball, basketball, softball, track and field. They they did it, they did it all, and they were they were. It was fun to watch them. Uh, and so when the uh, our oldest two are, are girls, Jill and Jessica, and they were younger, uh, they wanted to to play on the local uh, softball team, and so uh, we signed them up and. Uh, She watches live, so I got to be careful what I say. Uh, Jessica may be slightly more athletic than Jill back in the day. I, I think that's safe to say, Jill, I'm sorry, honey. I, I'm just, I'm just, oh, anyways. So, uh, and yeah, but she is a master cheerleader. She, that girl could cheer like no other. Jill, rah, rah, spirit fingers. Um, so... <laughs> Those of you who know, yes. So anyways, we signed up, and uh, Jill was not happy with her, with her playing time, and so she wanted to meet with the coaches. Uh, and so Jessica was playing and starting every game, and, and, just, and Jill said, uh, Papa, I want to meet with the coaches. I want to I talk to them about my playing time. I said, okay. Well, me and Janie were the coaches. Jill was playing time at second base, and Jessica was a starter, and we would rotate Jill out, and I think she might have just been a little scared of the ball, I'm not sure, but she was fast, and she got on, and she was so good, and I said, Jill, honey, there's two things in life that you can control, two things, it's become a little family motto of ours, and uh, she said, what is that, Papa, do I need to play better, and I said, two things you control in life, you write these down, you can hustle and have a good attitude, two things in life that you can control, church. Two things, listen to me, and I'll I'll give you a scripture for it. Two things you can control, hustle and have a good attitude. I said, honey, that doesn't matter how much you play, doesn't matter how much you don't play, doesn't matter how, how, you know, if you're an all-star or not an all-star, everybody wants to be an all-star, everybody wants a college scholarship, everybody wants to go to school for free, everybody wants to do this, but if you'll learn this point right here, if you'll hustle and have a good attitude, you will have a happy life. Our daughter, Jill, has a million-dollar smile. She really does. She is so polite and personable. You know, she's turned that into a high-wage-earning job. Her and her husband are blessed beyond belief, and she entirely, completely hustles and has a good attitude about everything that she does. It's an amazing turnaround. It's an amazing thing. Now, Nehemiah was building the wall. And he was, uh, he was working hard. Things were just, and it was tough. All these things were happening. He tried to build the wall as fast as he could. And he was building it hard and strong. And he was gathering laborers. And they said, Nehemiah, what's your key? And he said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy, good attitude, strength, hustle. See, the joy, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, that, that allows us to hustle and have a good attitude. See, too many times in life are we looking over our shoulder because of something somebody else did, because something somebody else said, or because something somebody else is getting, or why are they blessed like that? They might just be hustling and have a good attitude. They might be the ones that are just showing up on time and working through lunch or doing the extra thing. They might be the ones that are just being a a blessing to somebody else. They might be the ones that have just got a big old smile on their face. Hustle and have a good attitude. We talk about that, Janie and I do, all the time. And I think it's a lesson all of our kids have learned, just to hustle and have a good attitude. David obviously learned that because he didn't cry, he didn't complain, he wasn't, and all of a sudden this disruption turned into an anointing 
And the second anointing is the one of his peers. See, remember the scripture that we read. He was in a cave with 400 mean, angry men who really had nothing to lose. He turned that around. All of a sudden, these men, angry men become his followers. And in 2 Samuel, the second chapter, his peers... The peer, his peers became the ones that anointed him as, one of, as the king over Israel. Now listen to me for just a second because it's important. When you have the anointing of your peers, all of a sudden you have acceptance and influence. And when you have influence in people's lives and God puts you in that position because he knows you're God-fearing, influence is different than manipulation. Manipulation is something that we say so that we can get something for our own good. Influence is something that we do for the good of others. And there's a huge difference. Too many people want manipulation. You're never going to get the anointing. Your life is still going to be disrupted because you only manipulate a situation for your own good. Somebody say amen. Because that's very truthful, church. But influence is God using you in an anointed way so that you can be a blessing to his kingdom. So you can bless. He's going to bless you so you can bless others. You don't have to worry about not being blessed. Just have the anointing of your peers. The best thing someone could ever say about you is he's a good guy. She's a good person. Man, they're good people. That means that you're doing your part in the kingdom to be able to take disruption into an anointing. The second anointing was one that he was anointed of his peers. Point number three, and last, you need to prepare for battle. First, you need to work your field. Two, you need to face your giants. Three, you need to prepare for battle. So David, we know, picks up five stones, and, and we're not sure. A lot of people have said, which is true, that Goliath had four brothers, and the stone was for each one, although he kills three another time. Uh, the fifth one, he kills Goliath. The fifth one, he needed help from Aliab to kill, and so they, they, they kill him. Everybody needs help. Jesus needed help carrying the cross. It's okay to need help. It's, it's wise to ask for pe people for help. But I have a, a couple of thoughts on this, on, on how you can prepare for battle so that you can capture that third anointing. Here's five things that every person can do. The first one, write it down, is pray. You have to have a prayer life. Church, if you are a Christ follower and without a prayer life, you are only weakening yourself. During the storm, we have um, uh, placed uh, uh, some of our furniture that were, that's on a, a patio into a shed. We have covered other things. We went around the house, and we uh, anything that wasn't strapped down, we've stacked or moved. And Janie worked really hard the other day just moving different stuff around. And can you help me move this? We moved some different stuff. We put different things here and there. We prepared ourselves for the battle. And listen, when you became a Christ follower, Satan put a big old red X on your back, and he wants to take you out. He, he wants to, but, but the Lord, look, here's what Jesus said to, to Peter in Luke, the 22nd chapter. Peter, Satan wished to sift you like wheat. In other words, he wants to take you out. What, what did Jesus say? Jesus didn't say, but I've stopped him. Jesus didn't say, look out, this is going to happen. Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. And I suggest that you do the same. So whenever the enemy is going to come and get you, you need to have a strong prayer life. Prayer will get you through. Prayer is simply communication with God through his son, Jesus Christ. You don't have to have a, a rehearsal of prayers. I myself pray the Lord's Prayer every day. 
I pray Psalms 23 every day. I pray the prayer of Jabez every day. I pray uh, uh, Job 1 and 10. It has your protection around myself, uh, my wife, my family, their families, our, our church, our church people, all of their structures, houses, and jobs each and every day. I pray that every single day in my life, it's not a prayer of repetition. It's a prayer of interest and heart saying, God, would you bless the people that I love? Would you look out for them? You have to have a strong prayer life to see this thing through. It's paramount. Prayer, prayer life is your boot camp. Prayer life is you, being, is you being the person that God needs you to be. Number two is worship. And we would say praise as well. We would say praise as well. So praise comes before your prayer request is met. Worship comes after. Worship is a sign of thanksgiving. Oh, thank you, Father, for things in our life that, Lord, that you have blessed us with. Thank you, Lord, for just salvation. I'm not talking about material things. Thank you for family. Thank you for leaders. Thank you for church people. Thank you for friends. Thank you for, for folks. Thank you for loved ones. Praises, God, I know you're going to see me through. Praises kind of that right before kickoff. Praises, the, 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 the team is jacked up. They might be 0 and 20 like Nebraska. But you know what? Tomorrow we're going to win. We lost yesterday and the kids were saying, what do you think, Papa? I said, I think we're going to, we start our undefeated season tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow happens. And it was, Andrew said, spoken like a true fan. Listen, praise is God, you're going to work this out. I know you are. Praise is God, it's going to happen. Thank you for all your prayers for the University of Nebraska's football team and all your condolences. We are going to return. I'm praising God over it. <laughs> Listen to me, church. If you can find it within you to praise when there is no music, when there is no anointed worship leading, when there is no drums and bass and guitar, when there's no keyboards, when there's nobody, when you can find yourself praising early in the morning because you're in the worst battle of your life, God will give you the victory. And you'll be able to come in and just worship him. And everybody will say, hey, what, what's going on? I thought you were fighting cancer. I thought you, I thought you were 300 miles this place from your home because of 40 inches of rain. I'm going to praise my God because he's in charge. He's put me on the mountaintop. He's the God that serves all, loves all. That's the God that we serve. You have to learn how to worship. Zephaniah 3, you know that when you worship, when your praise go up, God's glory comes down. Zephaniah 3, verse 19. Word is the next one. You have to know God's word. Isaiah 55, 11, God's word will not return void. Numbers 23, when God speaks something, it is. He's not a man that he should lie. When he speaks it out, it just happens. It's going to take place. Now, it determines if it takes place through us or through somebody else. But when you recognize in and of yourself that I know God's word, it's infallible. It's incorruptible. It's indestructible. It is the written almighty word of God. It's not this book. It's what God has said through Jesus Christ. And Jesus spoke it. And the only thing that will never pass away is the word of God. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh. He dwelt on this earth. What he says is, you can debate it, you can argue it, but, and you can defend it, you can do whatever you want. Doesn't mean that it's not true. 
When you stand on the word of God, in your worst battle, when you're, prepare, when you're preparing for battle, I shall not uh, die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Psalms 118, verse 11. When I do the things, this is the day that the Lord has made, I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Psalms 119, verse 24. When I know that God is wanting to make me prosper and be in good health, when I know that God is in charge and he's over me, when I know that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, when I know that I'm more than a conqueror with Christ Jesus in me when I know that Abraham set this thing a rolling and he still walks through us today and works through us today. Jesus Christ of Nazareth died so that when we know these things by the infallible and corruptible word of God. Pastor, would you die for the word of God? I would die for Jesus Christ and he is the word of God. Do I believe everything it says? I mean, what about cutting off your right hand? What about poking out your left eye? You have to take things in context. But I would say, if the computer keeps getting you in trouble, do like that one credit card or the, the insurance commercial. The guy says, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't insure me. He took his wallet out and threw it in the threw it in the lake, and he says, probably not a good idea. I love that commercial. Do that with your computer. If your computer gets you in trouble, do that with your computer. If late nights get you in trouble, go stay in bed. If you get in trouble doing stupid little things, stop doing stupid little things. And I know that's easier said than done, but you have to prepare yourself a battle. What's the best way you prepare yourself a battle is right here. Jenny talks about our friend who gets up early in the morning, and, and he used to text me. He doesn't anymore, but he did up in the morning, and, he, and he, he, I mean, he still texts me. He just doesn't text me early in the morning. And he'll say, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And he'll call his wife by name. Praise God. The Bible says praise God, and he's praising God through his house. Now, you want the victory, and you wonder why it happens for this guy who's up praising God early in the morning because the Bible tells him to? Get up early in the morning and praise God. Well, but Pastor, I, you don't understand. It's not, it's not my personality. It's not my DNA. I, I like to sleep. We all like to sleep. God likes to rest. He rested on the seventh day. You have to rest. But when you understand what it means to understand the word of God, and we start living by, do one thing. This is, one, this is something that we've done for a long, long time. Just read the proverb of the day. If you can't read anything else, read the proverb that coincides with the day of the month, and you'll gain so much wisdom and understanding that it will just be marvelous in your life. You'll be so hungry for the word of God. This, I, we like filet. Mignon at our house, and we make it, we, we cook it. Don't judge me. It's red meat. It's really good red meat. Dear Jesus, is it the best red meat ever? <laughs> and Jeannie seasons it, and she lets it sit for four or five hours, and I cook it, and the thing almost cooks itself. You have to understand that this is whatever you're, like some of you people like vegetables, this is your broccoli. <laughs> God bless you. This is our filet. And crab legs <laughs> and strawberry shortcake. I am getting hungry now. Um, <laughs> you have to you treat this word. Listen, a lot of people like to quote people. Did you hear what somebody treated, tweeted? Did you hear what this is? I follow them on Instagram and this people. This is God's word to you. <laughs> 
This is God speaking life into your bones. This is God speaking power into your lives. This is the Lord saying, man alive, child, just understand, just get in and speak life to you. Number four is community. So we have prayer, worship, word, community. You have to have community. We would call it church or we would call it small group. We would call it just getting connected with people. Yeah, you have to have community. I had the opportunity on Monday night to go to the Raiders game uh, in Oakland at the Coliseum. And it's an old, dingy Coliseum. It's a horrible stadium. And there's just really, it, like it hasn't been updated for 30 or 40 years. And I'm sitting around a group of people who are also Raiders fans. And I'm looking around. I'm thinking, man, this is a, this is a crowd that... I probably wouldn't associate with. I mean, I walked into the bathroom and almost got high just walking into the bathroom. I, I am not kidding. It was like the, the guy I was with, David Shaw and, and Marcus, David said, hey, don't, don't go to that bathroom. I said, well, I got to go, man. He said, well, just plug your nose because if they drug test you tomorrow, you are going to fail. <laughs> I went in, man, did it smell like high school all over again. <laughs> Dear Lord. People were different. And I walked away thinking, these are some of the nicest, highest, wasted people I've ever been <laughs> around my whole life. They were generally just very peaceable and nice. And they were high-fiving fans that had Rams jerseys on. And I'm thinking, you don't even know you're behind right now. <laughs> you are so toasted. You don't even know that, like, where are you? But I think we need community, church. And I think we need to stop fighting with other churches and other people and other people groups. And we need to start saying, hey, let's find a point of interest. Do you love Jesus? We do too. Let's start growing from there. And if you don't love Jesus, what can we do not to convince you? What can we do to show you Jesus' love? Because that's what it's all about. Too long the church has tried to beat people over the head with the Bible and convince them that their way was wrong rather than saying, hey, we love Jesus. Let's find a melting point. Start working from there. But you have to have community. The enemy would like to isolate you, keep you home on a Sunday, get you mad at somebody, make you leave the small group, do this, just so he can isolate you because he likes to divide and conquer. And last but not least, know your weapons. You are a weapon. You are a warrior. You are a child of the living king. You were made for this. You were born for this. You are alive today because God needs you on his team, on his side. You were made and created with a plan and a purpose. Come on back, worship team. For a plan and a purpose for God to fulfill in your life, in your heart. And yes, there's a flood out there, especially on the East Coast. There's a temporary disturbance. There's, a, there's disruption. There's things in your life that may have disrupted your life either a long time ago or recently. There's things in your life, but only you can let that affect you. Only you can make that thing where it's, getting, where it's going to ruin and own you. If you allow God just to be control, uh, control your life, if you allow God just to, to sweep in and say, okay, God, here I am. I am all yours, and I am all in. We, we shy from God at the littlest, simplest things because we don't think somebody likes us or doesn't like us or is mad at us or mean to us or we get offended or we get hurt or we take things out of context. And but you, 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 you have the creator 
of the heavens and the earth on your team, on your side. He loves you. He cares for you. He's the one who holds the rain, the hail, the lightning, the snow, Job 38. He's the one who can calm the sea, the troubled waters. He can speak, speak and peace will be still. He's the one that will wear down the walls and break through the army to capture you and to get you. He's the one who loves you more than anything. With an unconditional love, bow your head, close your eyes for just a moment. Maybe you're here today and your life is disrupted, but you know it's disrupted, not because of weather patterns. It's not disrupted because of the past. It's not disrupted because of anything anybody did. You know your life is disrupted because you're not in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, it means a starting place. It means, hey, God, I'm going to call on you. Would you help me with my life? If you're here today and your life is full of disruption, but you're here today and you know that part of it's on you and you're ready to own it today, I want to raise your hand right where you're at so we can pray for you. Thank you for that hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. Thank you for that hand, that hand. God bless you. Thank you for that hand, and that hand. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your boldness, for, for being honest not only with, with yourself but with God. I'm going to ask every person here to stand. Whether you raise your hand or not, you would stand. And can we give a round of applause for those that would raise their hands and say, hey, I just want to get back in. Thanks, God. I'm going to pray a prayer, but I'm asking you all to pray it after me, repeat it after me all together uh, as, a, as a body, as a community, so we can pray with those people that are going through some issues in their life. And that's okay. We've all had issues, right? Every single one of us had, had issues where we need prayer and ask people to pray. So repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for handling my disruption. Thank you for saving me, for forgiving me, for helping me, for healing me. Today, I call on your name and ask that you would take care of every disruption in my life. Physical, spiritual, financial, mental, emotional, relational disruption. Be gone in Jesus' name. Amen. Give a shout out to the Lord right now. Come on, church. Praise God. Praise God. Hey, if you're comfortable doing so, raise your hands towards heaven. Let's close with a worship song. Genuine closing prayer. Just remember this. We pray that disruption turns into anointing. God is on your side.
that's where our anointing comes from because we're not relying on us we're relying on him and I think that's a, a great teaching moment um, and this week as I was just I was I was prayer walking and I was just walking and I was just praying and the Holy Spirit reminded me Marcus last Sunday he got up and he said I see chains falling off and so um, let me just give you just a quick teaching moment as well when somebody sees that or somebody prophesies or speaks something and and our job is not is now just to begin to speak into that so i just began to walk and i said thank you lord the chains of addiction thank you lords that whatever it is and i just begin to name out different things that those chains are falling off of people and so when when somebody brings a word like i had a word a couple weeks ago for some friends here in the church that their their jubilee was coming it's not my job to fulfill that but it's god's job so my job is just to tell whatever god tells me to say and then as a body we begin to speak into that we begin to say thank you god that that you gave a word and this is happening thank you god that freedom is coming forth thank you that chains are being broken over lives and so um, this week, I just encourage you to, to do what Pastor talked about. Thank you, God, for the disruption in my life because you're turning it around and you're making it good because we go through battles, but the battles are to make us stronger. Amen. So um, I just want you all to be safe and get home and get out of the rain and um, just pray over your pray over your land or your yard or your house. That's what we did. I just spoke to it. I spoke to my trees and told them to stand firm. I did it. <laughs> I said, I got some trees around my house that I really like. I got some shed and I got some stuff. And I just, I walked my, my whole yard. I just walked it and I just laid hands on my trees. I said, you just stand firm in Jesus' name. And I was talking to our daughter, Jill, and I said, you know, the word says, Jesus, who's our great teacher, he spoke to the storm and said, peace be still. 
So we've just been doing that, and we're going to continue to do that. Peace be still. Not just um, in the natural, but in the spiritual. When your storm is rocking and your boat is rocking and you don't know what you're doing, just say, peace be still. Emily sang it today, and last week she sang the other song called Peace. Let's learn to do that. Peace to our disruption. Just peace. So, Father, Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for that amazing word. I pray, Lord, it would just get into our spirits, into our hearts, and become live, became um, a word that changes, that we receive the word of the Lord, because your word is unfallible. Your word never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if it says it, we believe it, we stand on it, and we're going to walk it through. So, Lord, we just agree for every person here. Lord, who has a need physically in their body. Lord, um, I pray for my friends today that I know have um, her father is in the hospital. I declare that by the stripes on Jesus' back, he is healed today. I speak to the, the, any bleeding in his brain. I call that to stop, that there be none. I declare you are the healer. And Lord, any person in or the sound of our voice, Lord, today that is in need of a miracle, Lord, we just thank you that you are the miracle worker and you are the healer, the provider. Um, we thank you, Lord, that chains are falling off and just the disruption that people are going through is to make us stronger. So, Lord, I pray you protect each and every person today, Lord, in their homes and their, their trees and whatever it is, Lord, you just build a hedge of protection on a shield of favor all about them. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise because you are good all the time in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all so much. Have an awesome day. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.